elected president will have to show integrity. So that we regain the trust of the public and the community out there so that FIFA goes back to being the kind of a credible organization that it was when it was founded. And in the U.S., a professor of the University of Texas has decided to leave his longtime faculty post following a state law allowing students to come to class armed. The Texas law, called Campus Carry, allows students with a gun license to carry concealed firearms when on state university property. The educational institutions will be allowed to set gun-free zones as long as the zone isn't a classroom. The law will come into effect in August. Talking to CNN, Frederick Steiner, the dean of the School of Architecture at the University of Texas, said the law influenced his decision to transfer to the Pennsylvania School of Design. A partly cloudy Saturday in store for Gauteng with isolated thunder showers expected. Joburg a low of 16 degrees reaching a high of 29. Pretoria 17 and 31 and Vereniging 15 and 28. Turning to the western Cape, clear skies expected with some morning clouds in eastern parts. Cape Town a low of 15 and high of 25. Clan William 16, 31. Burford West 13, 28. And George 14 and 23 degrees. The top story in Eyewitness News this hour, ANC Secretary General. You're with 702, your number one news and talk station. And at six minutes past five, we're into the third and final hour of our early morning breakfast for the Saturday, the 27th of February. If you've just woken up and joined us, a very good morning to you. My name is Errol Ballantyne, and I'm with you until six this morning. Just uh, having a look at that weather, yeah, lots of rain around the high felt. Uh, there's going to be more, I think, today. Highs of about 27, 28. But just get the sense it's starting to cool a little bit away from those terrible 35 and 36 degree temperatures. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Now we're looking at 27, 28, 20. This is it's fine, much more comfortable. And Cape Town around about 25 degrees. Health and well-being hour. Excuse me. Just get rid of the little frog. Health and well-being hour, and it's a warm welcome once again to our resident GP, Dr. Marlon McKay. Morning, Doc. Morning, Errol. Morning. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Are you well? Very well, very well, thanks. Good. Nice of you to come in, and it is uh, now time to discuss any topic on on medicine, any medical issue that you have. Uh, You can give us a call, 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567, or you could SMS on 31702. Or three one five six seven. Any medical questions you have for Doc Marlin? Give us a call, and he will be able to answer them. Just while those calls are coming in, and I see the SMSs are coming in as well. Three one seven zero two or three one five six seven. Let's talk about um, Zika. Now we've done the Rika and the Fika, but this <laughs> this is, this has got nothing to do with either. This is Zika, which is which is serious. It's serious. All right, tell us but about... But not that serious, but serious. What, what, is, what is the origin? Is it all confined to South America? Or is this talk about, wow, worldwide epidemic and millions dying? I mean, where are we? Yeah, I think, I think the, first, the first thing that we need to say is that there's no reason to panic yet. Um, it has its origins actually in Africa, but there's been a big uh, flare-up or a uh, big amount of cases in, in Brazil and the Americas. And essentially what we're talking about is a, is a mosquito, Aedes mosquito. Mm which is causing this uh, a viral infection. So the mosquito bites an infected person and then transmits it to another person. Mm. Um, it causes a flu-like illness. So essentially fever, body aches and pains. Um, you can get a conjunctivitis, eye infections, joint pains. Mm. Okay, And usually the illness is self-limiting. 
fluids, bed rest, and some analgesics, you know, something for pain, and it usually settles. Of course, the big scare is now that there's some, there seems to be an association between pregnant ladies who get infected with Zika, who then have babies that are born with microcephaly, micro small kephaly, the skull, yes. so a smaller head, which means that it could lead to underdeveloped um, or poor development with mm. smaller brains and mental retardation. Um, there's been one or two cases of, I think the second case now of uh, what looks like a sexual sexual transmission. Um, so, and that's where, of course, the, the the big the big news is coming. Then WHO escalated it to a to a, um, a global situation, mm. meaning, and that's where a lot of the panic came in. So we thought we had another Ebola on our hands, but it, it's it's not it's it was really to raise awareness and for c- countries to increase their surveillance so that they could pick up potential cases much quicker. So now, as I understand it, the mosquito, this, what's this particular? Aedes, Aedes. Yeah, it's a particular type of mosquito. Mosquito, yeah. It has to bite somebody who's infected, infected. with the virus and then bite and somebody who's not uninfected infected, and, and thus and pass on. The thus pass on. Now, if, if, the, if a woman is pregnant uh, at the time, then it will impact on the baby. It, if yeah. the woman is, is not pregnant and she falls pregnant a month later, is there any impact? Has there this is, thing got a. There is. Well, this is it. This is quite a mysterious virus. So these are the things that we assume that could happen. Yes. So um, we 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 probably are quite sure that there is a link between someone who is already pregnant. So that is why we are saying if you are pregnant already and going to a um, a Zika infested area where there are known cases, um, rather not travel or take extra extra precautions. Okay, we don't know how long the virus is staying in your body. We know the incubation period may last from a few days. That's, right. So that's the time from the bite up until the time that you start exhibiting symptoms of the of the illness. Mm. Um, two to three days up to a week or so. Um, so there's a lot of things that we still are ab- not absolutely sure of. Mm. You know, just because there's this, an association does not always mean it's the direct cause of it. Um, and so, as we as we're learning more, this is how we're getting this uh, this information. And there's a sexual transmission connection Appa- as well. Yes, apparent, pot- apparent and apparent sexual transmission case as well. Yeah, and apparently can live on this in the semen for a number of weeks after the infection as well. So the, hence the the potential for sexual transmission. So the concern from what you say is only if you are pregnant or about to fall pregnant. Yes. Then there is otherwise it's just a mild flu like symptom and you get over it with antibiotics no it's it, because no. it's a viral oh, thing you do not you cannot use antibiotics yeah, okay. there's no vaccine and no specific antiviral treatment available so the treatment is what we call conservative or supportive yes yeah and in fact the one the one case that we did have um in south africa was someone who came from i think it was a colombian gentleman who came in mm. um and he has recovered. He's recovered well, and no sequelae mm. from that. So, what should we, as citizens, be doing? Should we just be concerned? Should we just know about I think, it? Yeah. Awareness and self empowerment. You know, education is very good. Yes. Aware of it, and anyone who has travelled from and arrived back from an area that had uh, that is a known Zika area mm. and develops unexplained fever, body aches and pains, joint pains, eye infection, and a rash. Um, should be should be um, taken to hospital, and the doctor should be informed. The travel history is so vital in our question. So whenever we see mm. someone who has a fever, unexplained fever, and has a travel history, where have you been? Where have you been? Very important question. 
These things tend to get uh, extreme, though, don't they? People tend to panic. They get they get overblown. It becomes yes. a, a major international incident. Wow, we're all going to die, kind of. Yeah, and especially the moment uh, WHO made the announcement, that's yes. when all the panic, because we thought, okay, now here's a worldwide epidemic and a crisis coming on. But as I said, I think it was more just to raise awareness in terms of we may need to have a vaccine, more research has to be done, and more funding needs to be made available so that we can... Um, so we can turn what seems to be association into fact and know exactly how this uh, how this virus works. Because by and large, right now, it's still quite, there's a lot of unknowns, mm. mysterious. Okay, let's go to the lines. Uh, Matilda in Fairlands Valley. Hi, Matilda. Hi, good, good morning, morning. guys. Uh, I, I think this question might have been put to the doctor already, but I'll just ask it again. Um, I watched a documentary, and I have an idea it was on the Dutch TV, that in Colombia... Um, the syndrome of uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome is presenting itself to the extent that they had to make ICU wards bigger. Um, and all of them had the Zika virus, um, and now they were worried that the Zika virus was causing, and I'm saying Guillain-Barre, but it might be a Guillain-Barre syndrome, where you are paralyzed certain parts of the body or the complete body. Um, has Marlon heard any more about this? Yeah, so that that's also how it came to 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 be quite prominent initially. There were cases of an increased uh, prevalence or incidence, new cases of of this neurological syndrome called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is usually an ascending paralysis. Um, and so that there is definitely an association there. Just as the microcephaly in the pregnancy, there has been some cases an increased or a surge in case of Guillain-Barre syndrome. Yes. But now this Guillain-Barre syndrome is, it, I mean, you know, the people I saw there, this is bad because that, that's a life sentence. You're paralyzed. You're going to die if, if you're not being kept alive. So, I mean, you know, pregnancy, um, you know, you, you can, I'm not going to fall pregnant. I'm going to go there. But this Guillain-Barre, I mean, that, that's bad. That man. can be, I, I that can be quite scary. talking about it. Yeah, that can be quite scary. But again, again um, it's an association. We have seen amount. There have been an upsurge in those cases. So, so yes. So it's more reason to try and to try and avoid. But most of the cases, by and large, have been uh, mild. What you call mild and self-limiting. Interesting question. Okay, thanks, mm. thanks. thanks, Matilda. Bye. It's uh, Matilda in Fairlands Valley. Mm-hmm. All right. Any question, medical question you have? O one one double eight three o seven o two or o two one four four six o five six seven. SMS three one seven o two or three one five six seven. Let's take some of these SMSs. Uh, D wants to know: Will a sugarless diet reduce my waistline? Absolutely. Absolutely. You are. Yeah. One, we know that the probably the biggest cause of obesity yeah. is related to our sugar intake. And uh, while we're on that, the sugar, the new the sugar, sugar tax, tax yes. sugar tax. Yeah. So so um, there's been a proposed sugar tax that will be imposed on on all sorts of sugar, what we call SSBs, sugar sweetened beverages ranging from fruit juices to the carbonated drinks, energy drinks. The industry is jumping up and down and saying, no, but of course they would. They would, they would. Yeah, because in in countries where it has been implemented, um, there has been a decrease in sales, Mm. you know. But I think we mustn't look at uh, one modality or sugar tax as the be-all and as as if that is going to solve everything. It's combined with a lot of things. It's combined with a lot of things. And I think think it's time that we start addressing this issue. South Africa is high up on the list of, of fat nations, as it were. 
and we need to do something. We're seeing, we're seeing an epidemic of, of cardiovascular disease as a result of obesity, type mm-hmm. 2 diabetes, hypertension. Mm-hmm. And never mind the, the, the debilitating effects of obesity on, mus- on the musculoskeletal system. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think this is the way to go and we need, to, we need more measures to count our sugar intake. Figures like 24 teaspoons of sugar average intake per person in this country, that is massive. Yeah, and that's just an average. I mean, if you take yeah. if you take one one um, one can, can yeah. of a carbonated drink yeah. on average, eight eight to ten teaspoons of sugar. Now you must still have your your supper with rice and and maybe some bread and a potato and but and then the rest. everything everything you eat or drink has got sugar. You know, people. Are fruit so many. juices are so brilliant. Fruit juices have got sugar yes. in them. And so, of course, the type of sugar is also comes down to being important. But and and um, and yeah, it, it all adds up. And there are so many foods with hidden sources of sugar in there. So we need to be aware of what exactly we are eating and how much sugar is in everything. It's interesting how things change. I mean, some years ago, uh, there was this whole promotion for the from the sugar board saying sugar gives you energy, sugar gives you go, get up and sugar go. Sugar makes sugar. you tired. <laughs> <laughs> sugar makes one tired. Too much sugar is a bad thing. Sugar is highly addictive. And I think we all need to start looking at our diets from breakfast right out until supper and Liz, see how much sugar we're eating. Liz in Randburg. Hi, good morning. Hello. I wonder if Dr. McKay can help me. My husband has a thing called dystonia. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm sure Dr. McKay has. And I was wondering if he knows of anything that can be done to not cure it, but, you know, alleviate Manage it, it yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're asking, will Botox help? <laughs> yes, yeah. that's, that's what we were told. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's give it to the expert, Doc. Yeah, Thank so... You. So, you know, the word, the word uh, uh, this means change or bad, and tone um, relates to the, the, the tone. So there's obviously a muscular disease where where you have muscle and uh, neurological issue where you have um, uncontrollable movements and the muscles That's contract. Right, yeah. yeah, So it's a, it's a very difficult, and I, and I mean, to be honest, we're not going to be looking at any specific uh, um, cure. Mm. Okay, so it's very difficult. And in the hands of a good um, neurologist, there are some, there are, you know, there are many modalities, but there is nothing new that's on the market that's going to, you know, that's going to um, affect a specific cure. No, it's a it's a range of treatments, it's supportive treatments, conservative treatments. But um, I don't think I can offer you anything Marlon, that you, you don't can, know already. Can you see Botox coming in here anywhere? Yeah, you know, there is there is probably a a, a place for it, um, as with most of these uh, many of these conditions, but. Um, you know, it comes with its own issues. It may there may be a transient relief. It may not be a long term thing. Yes. So it may be part of what we can do to try and alleviate some of the symptoms. Oh dear, Liz, that doesn't does it sort of answer your question? As, it sounds as if I'm going to just have to. You know, it's difficult, more difficult for me because I'm in front of it. He's mm. behind it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? No. Oh dear. And it, it's something. You know that just goes on all the time, and it is very irritating. As, as uh, and he's obviously taking a whole lot of neurological drugs to try and alleviate it too. No, no, not at all. We, uh, I took him to a neurosurgeon, and he said, "Oh, there's nothing that can be done. Just go away and enjoy your life." Oh. No, because we 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 do use some of the drugs that are used for for Parkinson's, for instance, helps. Some of the, if there's a, if there's more spasticity, there are drugs that are used to relax those muscles, 
Um, mm. So, you know, these drugs like baclofen or lyrisol, uh, the levodopa type drugs. Perhaps it uh, might be worthwhile for Liz to get a second so, opinion. Absolutely. Yes, I think possibly. Yeah, yeah so mm. while, while I'm not saying that there's a cure, I'm also not saying that there's nothing we can do. And I think uh, yeah, um, using yeah. a course of drugs and a trial of drugs will and, and can a bit help. of a bit of trial and error. Yes, absolutely. Liz, yeah. good luck. Good luck. Well, more that. trial than error. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Liz. Thank you for helping. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Liz in Randburg. Uh, just before we go back to the lines, let me take some other quick s two quick SMSs here. Uh, good morning, Errol and Dr. Marlon. Blood tests recently reveal that my vitamin D levels are very low. Reason for concern? Question mark from Jean. You know, I'm doing a lot of vitamin D levels and checking that. And surprisingly, for this is not your patient, is it? No. <laughs> well, I don't know. Oh, no. Well, and uh, surprisingly, for a country like uh, South Africa, we, we have a lot of patients who are actually vitamin D deficient. And the consequence of that? It's a very, very interesting topic in terms of vitamin D and its deficiency. It has there's showing benefit for the cardiovascular system, for muscles, for joints, for nerves, for for all sorts of things. And um, and so I think we should be checking it more often. And I think there are many, many patients who out there who are deficient and whom, who will benefit from from vitamin D supplementation. We're definitely not getting enough from the from the sun mm. uh, because we sit indoors, we sit all day, we're not exercising enough. So we should be knowing our vitamin D levels. I'm actually vitamin D deficient. And um, and we all a lot of many there are many patients who should be on uh, vitamin D supplementation. All right, one more SMS that we go back to the lines, Marlon. I have a compressed nerve between the second, third, and fourth vertebrae, which causes pain down the upper part of my left leg. What is the cure? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been up that road. Yeah, yeah. So so I think cure is a bit of a, a very very optimistic thing. The approach to something like that is always what we call. If all you start the conservative route, in other words, um, lose weight, um, there's medication, physiotherapy, one can even use injections into that area um, and start off with that. And then obviously depending on on um, response to all those different types of treatment, then one has to maybe look at something more drastic such as seeing a neurologist or neurosurgeon together with an orthopedic uh, specialist to try and see if it may not be alleviated by some sort of in more intervention or invasive surgery and then for, for, for correction, you know. So the, there is something that we can do, but it should be a stepwise approach in conjunction with GP, orthopedic specialist and the, and the neurosurgeon. And, and, and surgery as a very, very last resort. Absolutely, I believe that. Uh, let's go back to the lines then and Lynn in Edenvale. Good morning to you. Lynn? Hello, yes. Lynn, you're on the air. Um, Good morning, Doctor. Yes. Good morning. Um, I I have a problem. My husband is seventy-eight years old. Now he was a very very active man and played golf twice a week. And then he got a um, there was something wrong with his neck, the top part of the neck, and um, they they are. And inserted a, um, a spring or a, 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 there was pressure on the spine. That was basically what the problem was. And um, after that, he, he was he became very, very ill. He was in hospital for three, three months. 
Um, he developed pneumonia, um, his kidneys collapsed, and all sorts of other um, things just went wrong. But where we are at the moment, he has got, um, they've done an MRI, and he's got what they call benign positional vertigo. Now, He's seen um, a professor um, who just gave him exercises to do, which he has done religiously, but he is suffering a great, great deal. Dizziness and pain on the one side, the left side of his head. Is there anything that we can add to his diet he lives in um, in an, in, in Sandringham Garden. They are fed three meals a day, but um, I feel he's not getting enough vitamins, sun. And what he does take as an additive is um, as as a just he takes salmon oil because I insist on that. And, all right, let's get the answer. Let's get an answer from the doctor. Yeah, uh, look, there are some there are some pills available for for BPV, benign positional vertigo. Um, alternatively, one can also have a look at uh, let an ENT have a look. But there are there are medications that can that can definitely alleviate some of the some That's of the symptoms. Sick, yes, sick, which doesn't touch fat, so doesn't yeah. help at all. And the sinazarine as well can also help. Sinazarine, sinazarine. Yeah. So Nazarene is a is a good pill as well. All right, Lynn. So Nazarene. C I double N A R A Z I N E. So Nazarene. So Nazarene, yeah. All right, Lynn, thank you very much. Sorry, we have to we have to uh, move on. We just time is just flying by. Back after this. On 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567. It is the Health and Wellbeing Hour in studio, Dr. Marlon McKay. We're talking open medical matters and uh, numbers to dial 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567. SMS 31702 or 31567. As always, when you're in here, Doc, the lines just go ballistic and the SMS lines are packed. So uh, we're going to just go back to the lines. Janice, we're going to talk to you in a moment. Then Eunice, but I want to take this SMS first from Peter. It says, my PSA is 20. I'm age 70. Decided not to treat. What is my shelf life? I love the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're talking prostate specific antigen and we're talking prostate cancer. Normal, not to four. Yeah. Greater than ten, higher risk of cancer. Four between four and ten is that sort of grey area. And I think from twen- twenty and up is uh, almost definitely cancer of the prostate. Okay. Um you know, you're quite okay with with cancer of the prostate to sort of adopt a watch, watch sort of a watch and wait. Mm. Okay, um, the the biopsy would also tell us what you call the Gleason score, and that would give us an idea of how aggressive the cancer can be. And then the urologist will give one an idea. You know, if you if you opt to do nothing, okay. so it's difficult to put any sort of timeline, and I always try and refrain refrain from that. Um, 
my advice would be to obviously monitor the the, the, the PSA, mm. and then of course once it it can spread from local spread into into bone, and then you get what you call bony metastases, and that's when the cancer spreads um, outside of the area of the prostate, and with that comes its complications. And if it and depending on your overall state of health, and spread to organs, liver, and uh, and the brain, that will determine one's. Uh, Shelf life. As, as so well. Peter's answer is just watch it. Keep keep a very good check on it. And keep yeah, you know there's no there's no there are a lot of patients who opt to do absolutely nothing, mm. and that's fair. You, one has to respect that the, the, uh, their decision. Mm. Um, but we can we can look up, and some of them can can still go have a relatively long shelf life. Okay, Janice, uh, thank you for holding Mabapani and Eunice. You next. Hello, Janice. Good morning to you. Good morning, Alan and Doctor. Good morning, Janice. Um, uh, I'm 32, and um, for the past four weeks, I've had this terrible pain in my, on the left side of my head. It actually starts down from um, the neck. I don't know if it's in the veins, but like, and it goes down up the head, and it feels quite it's like a burning pain. So I've been to a GP who said that it could be sinuses, like I was congested, and he gave me um, medication, antibiotics, which did not help, and then I went to... Um, a neurologist who said it was nothing to really worry about, but if it if the pain was still there in about like three weeks, she would then perform a lumbar puncture. And I also went to a chiropractor twice, but nothing really is helping. And the pain just aggravates when I'm sitting down and trying to sort of like lay um, my head on the headrest. So, yeah, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, so if it, you know, usually if the pain's at the back of the head on the one side and going down the upper part of the back over the shoulder, that type of area, um, one also has to think of a ten, what we call a tension type headache. And usually, once a neurologist has seen you, they've excluded most of the serious things like your your migraine cluster headache and something going on inside of the brain. Um, you know, just be wary of using antibiotics if there's not a bacterial infection. And if you are congested, you may just be suffering rhinosinusitis, which needs a nasal spray and an antihistamine and not an antibiotic. Um, so so you, I, I would suggest just going back to your GP, let him look for a tension-type headache, and then you may just need a short course of, a, of an anti-inflammatory with a muscle relaxant, which could give you good relief without resorting to more uh, invasive things like a, like a lumbar puncture. Okay, thank okay. you very much. All right, Janice, thank you for the call. Eunice, yeah. thanks for holding also. Benoni, hi, Eunice. Yes, hi, Anna. Hi, Doc. Hi, Eunice. All right, uh, Doc, I just took a sleeping day. I need to go and sleep now. Doc, I had an arthroscopy on the 12th of this month, okay? Yes. Um, look, I've got 2% pain, but I've got 8% discomfort, okay? My knee's got a knob there. I think this when they put the scope in, so... Uh, bottom line is, Doc, how long will this take to settle down? You mean the knob after the arthroscopy? Yeah, yeah, because, Doc, before this I had one, then I started biokinetics. Yes. It did me wonders. It did me wonders. Yeah. Then my knee started troubling me again. I went to my doctor. He's a surgeon. He told me, listen, you're too young. You are not lumping. I am not going to do a knee replacement. You are not in constant pain. Let me clean it out one more time. Yes. Okay, I just find it from the first time to the second time. This one is a bit, uh, you know what, I just can't sleep. I mean, 
year, uh, like from last night, I watch yeah. four movies, you know, every second night. If I sleep on my right, it's a problem. If I sleep on my left, I put a pillow between my leg, the, yeah. then the bloody pillow f- slips us away, then I get up and I can't sleep. Okay, so Jim, yeah. yeah, it should, you know, within, within four to six weeks, it should settle down. You should have significant rem- amount of relief. If not, okay. I would really suggest you visiting your doctor again. Because then okay. he may want to reconsider his decision about a, a knee replacement. So these things just take no, a while. They do take a while, you know. And obviously, he would have told you, you know, look after yourself, be careful, don't. No, I did. You know? I did. And if, if you've done everything right and there's still persistent pain, you've earned the right to go yeah. back and tell. Thank you very much for the call, Eunice uh, Lawrence in Hoodspray. Thanks for holding. You've been there forever. Good morning to you. Yes, I've been dying, doctor. Good morning, doctor. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I've been holding on forever. Sorry, sorry. Like because I want doctor to save my life. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Lawrence. Uh, yes, uh, doctor. Uh, mine is a simple. Uh, not simple though. Um, uh, in the morning, sometimes you know, I would take maybe a muffin in the evening and maybe a glass of juice. When I wake up in the morning, I'm so tired, and you know, I wanted to verify if that is this was, was the case. And I would sometimes I would take you know water before I sleep, and I will wake up verify. So I want to know, doctor, if if this can be the contributing factor to me waking up uh, so tired. Yeah. Look, if if you if you if you if you take the juice and the muffin and you wake up tired and then you don't take it and you wake up feeling a lot better, then there is an association. Okay. And we know that juice contains a lot of sugar, and we know that uh, um, these p- uh, cakes and stuff also contain their certain amount of sugar. So yes, yeah. I would not advise having that amount of sugar at night before you go and sleep. And okay. yes, it could possibly be the reason that you're waking up feeling like that. Thank you very much, Doctor. So stick, 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 there, stick right? with the water there, Lawrence. There Thank well, you. Lawrence. It was worth Thank the wait. You. Hey. Thank you very much, Doctor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> Lawrence in Hoodsbury. And Dave in Boxburg, you've been holding a long time as well. Good morning. Hello, good hello, morning. Hello, Dave. Uh, yeah, hello. Um, my wife's cousin has got a, 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 a granddaughter. Uh, she's about eight years old. <clears throat> and a, a pea has got a very, very uh, foul smell. Very, very smelly. It's a very un- abnormal, unusual. So much so that uh, the children in class doesn't want to sit next to her because of the smell. Yes. Uh, is that uh, and, and uh, the, the doctors say, well, they, they can't find anything. You know, is there something uh, maybe that we you could uh, tell me about that? Can I listen to on the radio? Yeah, yes, sure. of course. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, uh, my approach to that would be actually to have the 